Yeah, so good. <laughs> Welcome back to Open Up with Lockie Samuel into episode 128, I believe, with Darielle Aish. Thank you for taking time to do this, buddy. Um, you're so welcome. I really love the way that you said my last name because not many people pronounce it that way and I'm for it. I think I will start pronouncing my last name in that manner. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> is it Ash? It is Ash, but okay. they just chuck the C in there for fun. So, All right. No <laughs> Good start. Yes, I think so. Uh, first question, go a little bit deep, a little too quickly. And I'm that is, can you describe the way you view yourself as a woman and or human? Well, geez, that is deep. Um, yes, I can describe myself. Um, I would like to describe myself, and I do, as um, pretty unapologetic. Um, and that is something that I've definitely been working on for a really long period of time to um, just be myself and not apologise for it. Um, and I think as a woman... I would like to think of myself as very um, bold and empowering um, and also not afraid to make fun of myself. I think that's a large part of who I am as a person. All right. Um, I guess the reason that I wanted to have you on here for people who, who aren't aware, who are like from my network and don't know who you are is because we've met up recently, uh, lucky enough to do a workshop with you, but you're frozen on my end. You still there? I'm still here. <laughs> um, I like in meeting with you, you've got this very grounded, like um, outgoing, charismatic energy that sort of, um, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's like a, like, it's like an injection of energy, like meeting up with you and catching up with you. So you know, I just thought it'd be amazing for you to be on the podcast and for you to, um, I guess, be injected into someone's life through like this podcast medium. Well, thank you, Lockie. That's very nice of you. I also see myself as an injection of goodness and positivity and energy. So thanks. <laughs> um, let's, I guess, let's go to your story that you're here to talk about first of all, which is, I guess, centered around isolation. Can you walk us through that? Yeah. So I, um, Oh gosh, I don't know how long ago it was now. It's probably about, uh, ooh, I'm going to say like eight years ago. Um, I went through something uh, not terribly traumatic, but I went through a loss. Um, I lost a friend of mine um, who I went to high school with, um, had a major crush on as well. <laughs> so it was really sad because I'd like, I just used to stare at him all the time. Anyway, so he was, he was beautiful and um, I was prompted to do something a little bit outrageous um, because he was a very outrageous person himself um, and went and did like such courageous things all of the time. So I was like, bugger it, I'm going to do something wild that is totally outside of my comfort zone. Um, and so I told my family and my friends that I was going to go move to another country um, and they were like, okay, Darielle, that's probably not going to happen. Good luck. Um, and within about two months, I had gotten my visa for the US. Um, and I had, yeah, like a working visa for a year um, for the States. And I moved to Los Angeles. Um, that was a really cool experience. <laughs> um, I didn't know anyone there. So when I 
think about adversity, there was there was a bucket ton. Um, am I allowed to swear on your podcast? Yes, you are. Okay. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> oh, I was holding back a bit there. Um, so yes, went over to the states, not knowing anyone, taking this huge risk, and um, just being totally freaking like outside of my comfort zone, and stayed in this like Airbnb for the first week and then had no plans after that i was like i'll find a job i'll find a place to live um (laughs) it was quite humorous and i got there and gosh i had like the best adventure and then realized that i actually had to get a job to be able to stay there and then found a job eventually found a place to live eventually um but not without its challenges um yeah craigslist is interesting when looking for apartments in la (laughs) I met some very interesting human beings um, and ran away from a few as well. Um, But when it came down to it, I actually landed up having to work um, three jobs to be able to afford my rent. Um, And I'd never been in that kind of uh, situation before. I'd always been very comfortable with money and very comfortable um, with where I live. So I was sharing with two other people in like a one bedroom apartment. It was, it it was a lot. (laughs) Um, and yeah, it was working so hard just to be able to afford my rent. And, um, I was like stealing food from work because I couldn't afford to eat. I was shopping for my groceries at the 99 cent store. That was fun. Um, little did everyone in LA know that the 99 cent store that was like next to um, a Whole Foods market actually got all of their leftover produce. So on certain days, (laughs) on certain days I'd go buy really cheap produce and it was actually from Whole Foods, but it was that the 99 cent store. Anyway, so it was a beautiful experience. Jeez Louise, I was challenged in so many ways. Like um, I was challenged in terms of like my comfort zone in in a real way. Um, but then I was also challenged in regards to like um, just being comfortable with myself and getting to know myself through adversity. I feel like that's how people really get to know themselves when they're morbidly uncomfortable. <laughs> um, I remember the la- like biggest thing that happened while I was, I mean, so many things happened while I was over there, but the big biggest catalyst for me was um, I was, uh, working in a bar and I finished my shift at a bar at about 3am um, in Santa Monica um, and I planned on walking home because I couldn't afford a bus or an Uber or anything else and I didn't have a car um, so it started bucketing down with rain but like heavy heavy rain and it never rains in LA like people that live there will tell you it never rains and it was just like the heaviest like rainstorm ever um, and I didn't have like a jacket. I didn't have anything. I was just wearing like these little slip on shoes. Um, and I asked like everyone at the bar, like if anyone had a raincoat I could borrow or an umbrella, no one had anything. Um, and one of the bouncers went and got me a black plastic rubbish bag. <laughs> um, and I landed up putting the black rubbish, he cut a hole in it for me, kind man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I landed up putting that over my head as a poncho and walked home. It was probably about four kilometres um, in the pouring rain in a black rubbish bag. Um, and I got home and got into a, the shower, this beautiful shower. And I remember like standing there in the shower thinking, oh, my sweet mother of fuck, this is what humble feels like. <laughs> I was like, this is, this, if anything is going to ground me, it's going to be this moment. Um, and yeah, and then getting home and not having any, but having a warm shower, that was beautiful. Um, I think that was like 
one of the moments when I really realized that being like disgustingly uncomfortable just helps you to just grow in such a big way and really get to know yourself. And I got to know how much I was bloody capable of because I had no idea that I had that strength in me. Um, I was about ready to give up a few times and, and go home or call my mum and tell her to send me money, but I didn't do it, which is great. <laughs> but I think, yeah, that was probably my biggest biggest learning experience was living in another place, being very uncomfortable, not having safety around me. Um, and yeah, just going through all sorts of challenges and having to face them without a support network. Where did yeah. that courage come from? Like, was that something you were brought up with? Was that something you had to find yourself initially? It I was know, something like you... I had to find myself initially, I think. I, I don't think, like my parents are very courageous people, but in all sorts of different ways. And it wasn't really displayed too much to me growing up. Um, but they were always very comfortable. Like I'd never really seen anyone in my immediate family or in my friendship circles be very uncomfortable. Yep. So for me, it was a brand new experience in yeah just feeling like this large amount of discomfort and not really knowing what to do with it um so i i think I, it kind of got to a point where i had a choice i was like okay i can either choose to give in or i can choose to keep pushing um and once i made that choice once and i was like okay no this pushing thing works this, this actually <laughs> this actually helps me and it makes me stronger so i just kept pushing and the amount of times i pushed throughout that year i'm not sure um, but yeah, it's definitely something I had to find within myself, um, through all of the challenges. Being someone who was, I guess, comfortable with like your lifestyle and money, and then I guess, thrusting yourself into that position, how, like looking back now, how did you not crumble under that, that weight? Or was there like a transition of identity from being someone who was comfortable to someone who does have to have a little bit of mongrel and push through? You know what? I think, um, yeah, I was definitely always comfortable and like growing up really comfortable. Like my parents were relatively like well off and looked after us. Um, but I think also we grew up in, so I lived the first 10 years of my life in Johannesburg in South Africa. Oh, well. Um, and I remember, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was an experience. Like I, <laughs> you know, I, as a 10 year old, you still very much remember it. Um, and we lived in a really like well-off golf estate um, with like these huge walls and electric fences and like guards at the gate. Um, and literally like 200 meters on the other side of our huge fuck off, huge fence was the poorest um, squatter camp in the whole of Joburg. So it was oh called Dickwood. So people had no water, no running, like, yeah, no running water, no electricity. They, they were living like in squat, like it was, it was hectic. Um, and I remember just questioning it so much and thinking like, why, uh, why are we so comfortable and they're so uncomfortable? Like, I don't understand. And as a child, like thinking like, but why can't we just invite them in? <laughs> like, why can't they just come hang with that? They can have a shower. Like I, from a young age, like I've always just wanted other people to be comfortable as well. So I think maybe in my, in my inner psyche, I was like, fuck it. I need to understand what adversity is. And I need to like embrace this discomfort because people feel it all the time. And it's not just, you know, um, something that a small percentage of the population feels like a large majority of people feel discomfort when it comes to not feeling secure with money and not being able to afford food and that sort of thing on a very regular basis. So 
I felt like, you know what? I was in this position where I was like, I'm missed independent. My parents aren't going to pay for anything. Um, and I just went with it. I was like, yeah, I am going to be that independent person and, and see what it feels like to, yeah, not have financial support from anyone. It was real. That's amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so real. For, for the introvert that's listening, that's thinking about going to a country where they know no one, leaving comfort behind, how did you go about creating some semblance of a network so that you weren't like purely isolated? Do you know what? That's really hard because I, I'm like a mixture between an introvert and an extrovert. So I'm an extrovert for a certain period of time and then I recluse. Like just like any extrovert should do, right? They need to give all their energy to everyone else and then and then preserve some for themselves and keep to themselves. So um, I pushed myself on most nights, like outside of my comfort zone. So when I got there initially, like it was really difficult. Like I would just get food and bring it back to my apartment and not like really like just socialize with random people because I just didn't feel comfortable enough yet. But it probably got to like the fourth night of being there. I, I'm not going to say alcohol helps, but, but it did a little bit. Um, I went to a place called the Viper Room and it's, oh my God, this place is like beautiful. It used to be owned by like Johnny Depp or something. And it's this cool, like underground, um, like rock and roll lounge. And I went there and I was like, you know what? There's live music. I know I like live music. I know I'm comfortable listening to live music. And I know I also like whiskey and they had nice whiskey. So I was like, I can, I'm going to go sit at this bar and I'm going to just like watch one band play one set. And then if I'm morbidly uncomfortable, I'll go home. So I kind of pushed myself just that little bit and sat at the bar, had a couple of drinks. And as I had like my drinks and I was sitting there, I kind of felt confident. I was like, I'm okay. And then I actually, these guys landed up coming up to me. It's LA. Like anyone with an accent is so bloody attractive. So these guys <laughs> came up to me and they're like, what are you doing on your own? And I was like, I'm just enjoying my own company like the independent woman I am. Um, but then they actually started chatting to me and they're like, so you're in town from, you know, Australia. And we got along so well. I landed up having the biggest, booziest, funnest night with them. Meanwhile, I never saw them again, but we went to like the most outrageous of places. And I just remember thinking if I didn't push myself that little bit, and if I didn't like force myself to just go and be there for just one set and set myself like a small achievable goal. If I didn't do that, there is no way in hell I would have felt that level of confidence the next day moving into the next, you know, uncomfortable situation. So I think when it comes to building confidence and, and building networks, I think it just comes down to like pushing yourself that little bit and achievable bit um, so that you're exposed to potentially make connections with people. And if it's too much, then fuck off, leave. That's fine. But if it's not too much, you're going to open yourself up to making connections with people that like might turn out to be your best bloody friends. Yes. I love yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, don't, I'm not saying that you need whiskey to make friends. That's definitely not what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, music, help, music and discomfort. <laughs> Live music, discomfort and a cool dive bar. Yeah. So you're a psych, got a psych degree. You're a coach and like you're presenting at schools around Perth. What was the catalyst for change? What was the aha moment that turned you or took you from this um, misindependent living overseas to now doing this work? <laughs> <laughs> um. 
Well, I've hopped between like a lot of different jobs, right? Like, and I think some of like some people listening will totally relate to this. Um, and like, you kind of feel like, okay, I've done like two years here. That's good. I've got enough that are like enough of what I need from that space. I'm going to move to the next one. Um, a lot of like my family and friends thought that that was really abnormal and that I wasn't sticking it out in, in one space for too long. And I was like, no, it just doesn't feel right. Like it doesn't, I don't feel like I'm, I'm doing something good in this space. And I had qualifications and experience. So I was able, I was lucky enough to hop around between jobs and find work. Um, and eventually I got to a point where, um, my last job that I had, um, it was going to be my forever job. I was going to plan my whole life around it. I was going to go move to another country for it. I was going to go into ownership of this business. Like I had this huge fuck off, huge plan about how amazing it was going to be. Um, and unfortunately it didn't turn out that way. Um, and that, I think probably in that moment, that was the biggest kick for me. Um, and it was the biggest like kick up the ass for me to be like, okay, actually I have all of the tools that I need from all of these million different jobs to be able to do something on my own and to be able to combine all of that knowledge that I have from being like a freaking bartender and a, and a um, you know, a swim coach. Oh my gosh, I've been everything. I've, I can combine all of that and do something that I'm really passionate about. And something that I was really passionate about was obviously holding space for people. Um, so yeah, it started out as a blog. I was like, I'm going to make a blog for women in their 20s that have too many expectations on them in society. <laughs> so that's yes. how it started. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, fuck it. I can do a life coaching accreditation. So I went and did that. And then it turned into, yeah, what I'm doing now. And it, it initially was just like one-on-one -on -one like um, coaching sessions. And then I was like, oh, I like workshops. I like holding space for large amounts of people. Um, so I started doing workshops, um, and now we've like expanded into like retreats for, for adults, which is sick. I'm all about retreats, holding space for long periods of time. Um, yes. and then, yeah. And then the kids stuff kind of just all happened naturally. Cause I'm still so motivated to work with young people because I have this mentality that if we empower young people to like, um, understand themselves and like gain self-awareness and um, feel amazing about themselves, we're going to put a lot of mental health professionals out of business by the time they're adults. <laughs> I'm putting myself out of business in the future. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I just, yeah, I have a huge passion for helping kids like understand like their worth and their capability. Um, because I feel like these days, like life is shit and it's tough and like there's so much stuff working against you. But um, if you do a little bit of work and get to know yourself and get to know what you need when you need it, um, you can pretty much just do anything you want. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> With doing workshops, was there any fear for you initially in speaking in front of people? Oh, shit, yes. Because I have, like, previously only really spoken in front of kids. So I've held, like, big, big workshops for kids and um, big sessions for kids, and I'd never really done that with adults. So my first one, I was, like, crapping my dax. I was not, I was not ready for it. Um, and there was also a lot of, I think there was a lot of fear around whether I would get people coming to my workshops and whether yeah. I was worthy of, you know, having humans listen to me and what I have to say as anyone is when they first start out with this kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, again, with the outside of my comfort zone, just like pushed myself that little bit. And after that first workshop, I was like, I got, gave myself a bit of constructive criticism, but then I was like, also like, you know what? I, 
I actually really enjoyed that. And I really think that I can make a, a big difference. I think with my workshops, I want other women to feel that discomfort with me <laughs> and men. I want men to feel the discomfort with me too. That's my favorite. <laughs> that's definitely something that's come up a lot in the last couple of times we've met is that discomfort. And when you said you were a, a swimming instructor, I was like, Oh, you're still sort of a swimming instructor, but your clients are swimming in discomfort. Yeah. <laughs> Large amounts of discomfort <laughs> that is only going to make them fitter and stronger. <laughs> I like that analogy. That's great. Can you give an example of, I guess, some of the most impactful things you've um, helped some of your coaching clients through and how you've, how you've used discomfort? Yeah. Oh, one of my favorite things to do when I first work with clients is, is gauge where their like confidence and comfort levels are at. Um, and with a few of my clients, if I felt like they, it was appropriate for them, um, their first challenge. So I always set my clients challenges at the end of our coaching sessions. Um, and one of these clients, oh, she just blew me away. Um, I said to her, I was like, do you feel comfortable going and like having a coffee on your own? Like, do you feel comfortable like having coffees by yourself? And she was like, oh yeah, do that all the time. I was like, cool. And I was like, do you feel comfortable like going on a lunch date? by yourself and just sitting and, and eating lunch and, and not having anyone there, not being on your phone, putting your phone away. She was like, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. I kind of do that anyway. I was like, what about a dinner date? Would you take yourself on a dinner date to like a really nice restaurant in Perth? And she was like, uh, fuck no. <laughs> she was like, that's a bit much. And I was like, great. I'm going to get you to do that. That's your challenge. Um, and she went ahead and did it like a couple of days later. She went to Henry Summer, which is like such a gorgeous space. And you usually go there with big groups of friends. You know, that's like a really social kind of restaurant bar. She went there, got herself a cocktail and a delicious meal, took a photo of it and sent it to me. And I was like, oh my God, you're just going to do amazing things with your life. <laughs> It was amazing. But yeah, I've had a lot of experiences with um, getting my clients and even just my, the young people that I work with outside of their comfort zones and watching, you can physically see the growth. Like you can see them change because then you have the next session with them and they have like this ease about them that is so different to how they like kind of held themselves before. And I'm like, oh, you're capable of anything now. <laughs> it's a cool feeling. To someone who's listening to this and when they hear discomfort or hear challenge and they have like some level of resistance to that, what would you say to them in terms of getting them to expand to a point where they're open to actually, uh, I guess, leaning into their edges and diving into some of those challenges? Yeah, I think um, I would say what I say to the kids that I speak with about like challenges and, and being outside of your comfort zone. Um, I think without that, like we don't grow. So we can very much live life um, just ignoring the hard stuff and, and resisting it and not wanting to approach it. Um, like so many people have done, I'm sure. I'm, I look at my, my parents and I see um, the amount of like self-reflection and amount of work that they've resisted over the years. And even now, like I'll try to get my mum to come to my workshops and she's like, um, no, that's why would I want to talk about my feelings in front of people? And I was like, well, mum, it's because it makes you uncomfortable. And that's a good thing because you'll start to get more comfortable doing that. And she was like, oh no, I'm fine. And I was like, no, the, 
<laughs> the whole point is you're not fine because you don't feel comfortable doing that. <laughs> anyway, so I think the important thing to know is um, I think like challenging situations and discomfort and um, hard stuff, like it only helps you to grow. It can't, it can't, it can obviously have adverse effects. Yeah. You're going to have emotional responses to it. Yeah. You're going to cry. Yeah. You might feel a bit anxious about it. Um, you might get like overwhelming feelings about it. Um, but the moment you like you break through and you push through that discomfort, you get these like euphoric feelings of like, fuck yes, I can do anything. And it doesn't matter what it is. It can be you know, just doing as something that's slightly outside of your comfort zone. Say you've never tried like a bloody spin class at your gym before. And you're like, I've always wanted to do that, but I don't want to sweat and jiggle in front of other people. You know, like that's so uncomfortable. Who wants to sweat and jiggle in front of people? Um, and pushing yourself to go to one of those classes, maybe grabbing a friend and doing it with a friend, if that's definitely going to help you. Um, but then getting into that space and finishing that first class and being like, oh, okay, that wasn't that bad. I sweated a lot. No one really gave a shit about what I was looking like. They cared more about themselves. Um, yeah, just um, understanding that there's good that comes from it, although there might be like a little bit of emotion attached to it. Emotion's not a bad thing. Emotion helps us grow too. Yeah, I think for a lot of us, especially before we start really delving into self-development, we we have this attachment to being comfortable because it I guess it ultimately means certainty and safety mm. and to to challenge something whether it be trauma or just a moment of impact from within our lives or even just the way that we're showing up to challenge that would be uncomfortable which means we're unsafe and we really just assume what the outcome is going to be and live our life based off of like a fear projection which is really just an assumption it sure is. It is an assumption. And if we lived our lives based on assumptions, like we would just all be so similar and like nothing would get done. <laughs> you know, I love diversity. I love people taking chances and doing stuff that's maybe like really outrageous or really difficult for them. And that like really pretty much sums up my whole fucking business. It's <laughs> taking chances and doing things that are out of the ordinary and, and stepping into spaces that I've never been stepped into before or doing something that, you know, hasn't been done before because that's how change gets made in the world. So like, yes, we should all do uncomfortable things <laughs> <laughs> and all feel our fucking emotions as well. Yes. Please. Yes to that. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's so much fear based, like there's so much fear around, um, like feeling your emotions because feeling your emotions means that you're weak and you've let your emotions get the better of you. I feel like people put those two things together. They think yeah. that feeling an emotion or expressing an, expressing an emotion or crying means that your emotion has got the better of you. And it's like, no, 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 no. If you're crying, you're allowing that emotion to be expressed which means you're in control. Like you're allowing that emotion to exit your body and then you're moving forward and you're learning from it. If you sit in that emotion for like days on end, then yes, you're letting it control you. But just expressing your emotion, having a cry, having a scream, having whatever it is that you're needing to do, that's freaking healthy. We as humans are supposed to express our shit. It's supposed to come out. That's anyway, really passionate. something that men need to listen to and listen to again and again because that's that's what's causing most of the toxic masculinity is that uh, inability or unwillingness to 
delve into and actually feel some of the emotions that are coming up that might be perceived as weak um, from the outside world or externally. And so they just keep stacking and stacking and suppressing all of that until at some point they have an outburst or become someone who just acts and behaves poorly. I mean, I, great example, love my partner so much. And I like, he'll probably listen Ooh, to this. Ooh, <laughs> the dirt. Dish I love He's grown so much and he's done like so much work on himself after, after five years of dating a life coach. But I think um, initially like where he, he used to have like such a short temper because he didn't know like how to um, express his emotions like on a regular basis and he didn't know that he needed to. So I like, he used to get the gnarliest road rage. Like someone would like cut him off or not wave at him when like going in front of him on the road and he would lose his shit, like actually lose his shit. And then we'd be like parking in a, in a um, you know, parking lot and someone would be like a little bit impatient and he'd like flip him the bird. And I was like, babe, how is that affecting you so much? Like, geez, like it's not a big issue. And I like slowly spoken to him about releasing his emotions on a regular basis. And I think he's gotten a lot better at it, but even just being aware that that's not normal. Like it's not normal to get like yourself so highly strung that if someone cuts in front of you, you flip them the bird and tell them to go die. Like it's not, oh my God. not normal. <laughs> he never did that. He never told them to die. But you know what I mean? Like it's just a, normal is feeling your emotions. Just society forgets to tell you that. With um, self-worth, like you mentioned, worth was one of the issues that come up when you initially started doing workshops and wondering if you're worthy of having people there. Have, how have you gone about working through that? Cause I know that's like even not even just in the coaching space, but I know it's prevalent in coaching, but just for people in general, um, self-worth is such a massive issue, which causes a lot of us to act from a place of um, being disingenuous or mm. uh, inauthentic. Mm. I, I love that question. Cause I think it's, it's, it's three pronged, but <laughs> um, I think when it comes to self-worth generally, I think a lot of us base our self-worth off of external things, which is fucked. Like that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Um, but a lot of us will like base our self-worth on like comparison. Like you'll compare yourself to someone else that's on like maybe a similar journey to you and maybe they're way further ahead and you're like, well, I'm not good enough because I'm not where they are. Um, that's the biggest mistake I think when it comes to self-worth is comparing yourself to others. Um, because no two people are the same and no two people have been through the same things and are feeling the same things and have got the same situation. So that's a really big one. So I had to stop comparing myself to others and comparing my journey and my coaching journey and my life journey in general to other people. Cause you know what, if I was comparing myself to all of my friends, I would be a freaking head case. <laughs> <laughs> I would be so weird and I am weird, but, and I love it. But if I was really to heavily weigh comparison as like a, a large part of my self-worth, I would, I would think that I'm like an absolute nutbag. Um, <laughs> I love that you're giggling at me. That's good. Um, I think also when it comes to like building self-worth, it comes from building like a positive relationship with yourself. Um, when I speak about having a positive relationship with yourself, it's not necessarily 
um, like being your own best friend, which I mean, obviously it's the ultimate goal, but it almost just comes down to like acknowledging your stuff and acknowledging what you're really good at, acknowledging what you're not that great at, but just kind of like owning it. When you start to like own certain aspects of yourself, you start to become really comfortable with that. And you then start to become confident in that because you know what your strengths are, you know what your strengths are maybe not. Um, and you start to understand your worth according to you and not according to other people. Um, but yeah, very much like, I think building a really positive, um, healthy relationship with myself has been a big part of it. Yes. Was that three prongs? Fuck, I don't know. Maybe it was two. <laughs> <laughs> it's a broken I'm, ha- I'm drinking decaf coffee and I'd like to think that it's not like buzzing me, but it totally is. I'm totally <laughs> buzzed and I love it. Placebo effect, yes. <laughs> I think actually decaf does have a tiny, yeah. tiny bit of <laughs> So what are you doing now? What are your services? What do you offer? Who do you help? What am I not doing, Lockie? That's the question. <laughs> um, Would that be easier? <laughs> I'm not drinking caffeine. Um, I, <laughs> I'm doing a lot, so when it comes to youth related things. So I run workshops throughout the school term um, out of like beautiful yoga studios within Perth. Um, And they're all based on like helping kids um, to gain like resilience and self-awareness and empathy and all the important things that unfortunately school doesn't teach them. Um, So that's like my my jam with the kids. I'm also starting a school program, which is super cool. I've always wanted to get um, my foot in the door when it comes to being within the school environment. Cause a lot of kids have really negative experiences within that environment. And I'd love to be able to create a safe space for them to be able to grow within that space. Um, so yeah, starting term four at a really cool progressive school in the Northern suburbs, um, they're allowing us to pilot the um, Wanderlust school program, um, which is going to be six. So I'm really excited. It's an eight week program that's starting. Um, and then in addition to that, doing all of the adult things. So doing like one-on-one life coaching, my life coaching is a little bit different to other people's. (laughs) Um, I do outdoor life coaching. Um, I love being outside. I think that it only does wonders for your mental and physical health. Um, but it's also a super, like non-clinical, um, non-judgmental environment for people to just come and, and um, express their shit, let their shit out um, and figure out what it is that they, they need to do to make stuff better for themselves. And I'm just creating that little space for them to do that. Um, so yeah, doing life coaching, I'm running workshops on a semi-regular basis, probably like once every couple of months. Um, I've been running a lot for women recently. Uh, We've been doing rebel workshops, which have been fun. I've now coined myself the rebel life coach. No one's allowed to take that title from me. It is mine (laughs) because I like to challenge things. Um, And then in addition to that, doing um, a workshop with you. Yay. Yes. On the 8th of November, I'm so pumped. Um, We're going to be doing a men's workshop, holding space for men. And that's totally my jam because I have male clients and I love the idea of a man and a woman running that group together and having the feminine and the masculine, but then also both of those people being very fluid between that. Where are you getting the masculine from? um, Definitely me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's just going to be so fun. I'm so looking forward to it. Um, And then also running... Yeah, I've been running retreats as well. So I've been running a couple of retreats. 
Um, this year we had two. Um, I'm planning my next one for March next year. Um, I'm opening, I think I'm going to be brave and open this one up to men and women. Um, nice. It'll be sick because I'm all about men and women feeling comfortable in a space together because it's something that is not that common. Generally, men and women don't feel comfortable being vulnerable and opening up in front of one another. Thus, everyone has relationship issues. <laughs> Just going to sip my tea now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but super excited about that as well. So, so, so much stuff happening, but all exciting, good things. Yes. And if someone wants to know more about what you're doing, where do they find you? Oh, you can find me everywhere. You can find, you can find me or on my website. Uh, my website is www.thewonderlastage, and it's wonderlust with an A, dot com. Um, I'm also on the, the Facebooks and the Instagrams. There's not a lot of people with the same name as me, so the Wonderlust Age is relatively easy to find. Um, if not, just bother Lockie. He'll give you my details. Yes, just DM me. Just DM Lockie. Slide into Lockie's DMs. <laughs> Naughty. <laughs> um, let's do a couple wrap-up questions, buddy. Oh, yes. Um, ready. What, I guess, out of everything that you've done, what are you most proud of? Oh, balls. That's a hard one. Because um, <laughs> I'm really <laughs> proud of myself. <laughs> um, mm, do you know what? I think... I am most proud. Oh, I am most proud of just in general creating like safe spaces for people to work on their stuff. Like that's just, I, I didn't know necessarily whether I'd have the ability to do that. And from workshops and, and from um, testimonials from clients and stuff, I very much understand that I have the ability to create really safe, non-judgmental spaces for people to work through their stuff. And that's my jam. I'm proud. Yes. <laughs> what, what trait or quality do you love most about yourself? Um, do you know what? I love that I'm like persistent and like I'm motivated and I don't, I don't give up. Like I generally just don't, I don't give up unless it's something that's obviously like not serving me or not working. Like I'll definitely for sure I'll put my hands up and, and give that up. But I think, yeah, just being like motivated and, and persevering through, you know, challenging stuff with my business, with my life. I think, um, yeah, perseverance, motivation. <laughs> I got all the things, Lucky. <laughs> so much to offer. <laughs> so much to offer just as a human. I'm a great human. I love, and I love that I can, op no, do you know what? That's maybe the quality that I love. I love that I can openly speak highly of myself because not a lot of people have that ability. Um, and I actually mean it. Like I actually think I'm great and I want everyone to get to a space where they actually think that they're great and they're not afraid of people judging them for saying that. Well, I think you're great too. Oh, thanks Lucky. I think you're great. Yes. <laughs> Compliment circle. Tell me more. <laughs> what are you most grateful for right now? Um, hmm. Do you know what? I'm most grateful for like my health. I'm yes. going to be real. Like, cause obviously with the current climate in the world, people, some people are not so healthy. Trump just got diagnosed with, with coronavirus. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? Anyway, um, we're not going to get into politics, but I think I'm really grateful for my health and being like quite a healthy human being, like being able to like fight off nasties and, and, um, 
yeah, just be healthy. And when I say healthy, I mean mentally and physically healthy as well because mental health is very much just as important as being physically healthy. Boom. Boom. Last question. Uh, yeah. If you were to leave, leave this meat suit experience and you were only allowed to leave like one message for the collective, for humanity, what would that message be? Mm, that's such a hard question. I thought you were going to, and I totally thought you were going to say, leave this earth. If you were to leave this earth, what would be your legacy? Because it's like the same thing, isn't it? Yes, it is. I just couldn't figure out how to say that. <laughs> you can totally talk about death. It's fine. Like I'm very comfortable with it. I quite often make people write their own like obituaries and funeral speeches. Just because it's such a beautiful exercise. Um, but not morbid. Anyway, um, I think what I would love to leave people with is the knowledge that they are so, so much more capable than they think they are. Like, I feel like we doubt ourselves so much, but really at the end of the day, the world is not happening to us. Our emotions are not happening to us. We are so in control. And I just want everyone to feel that same sense of control that I do and that some of my clients do and that I'm sure Lockie does. But I'm all about like helping people to feel like they're in control and I want everyone to feel empowered to like take control of their lives and take control of how they feel and how they treat themselves. Yes. Bam. Double fist pump. Oh, I, I can do that too. <laughs> uh, to wrap this up, buddy, I just want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing um, and helping like with what you're doing with mental health foundation Oz, what you're doing in schools, what you're doing with life coaching and the workshops and all of the things, all of the swimming instruction. Um, I just want to acknowledge that because I really do think you're uh, a breath of fresh air in the space, like in terms of the way that you show up, how outgoing you are, um, how much you resonate with people and how easily you connect. I just love, love the person that you are and the way that you show up. So I'm really grateful that you're in the space. Oh my gosh, Lockie, right back at you. I knew the second that we sat down to meet that one time, that first time, I was like, I got that same feeling of light and, and, and goodness and energy from you as well. And it is all about energy, right? It's yep. all about the energy that you leave people with. When you leave an interaction, if you can leave someone better than how you found them, that's goals. Yes. Thank you so much. You have a good day. <laughs> you have a good day. Bye. I will. <laughs>